in this service tonight, today. In the name of Jesus, we pray, grant us open heavens. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit speak in this place. I pray for utterance in Jesus' name. I pray that my hearers will be edified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. Please appreciate the choir as they take their seats in Jesus' name. And please take your seats in Jesus' name. Tell someone you're welcome to church. Hallelujah. Amen. This morning we are continuing on the anointing. And we'll be, I'll be sharing with you the impartation of the anointing. Last week we looked at the anointing part one. This morning we were looking at the impartation of the anointing. Last week we saw the advantages of the anointing. And I define the anointing as the power of God that is released upon a person, a group of people, or a nation to enable them to work the works of God, to enable them to do things that can be classified as only God can do. And there are many things that you don't need human might, you need the might of the Lord. The Bible says it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So everything that we do must be by the spirit of God. It takes the anointing to pastor a church. It takes the anointing to lead a people. It is the anointing of God that makes the difference. Somebody shout the anointing. And so last week we saw some aspects of the anointing. We also saw that when you are anointed, the anointing has the power of creating or causing physical strength, apart from spiritual strength, physical strength. We look at the fact that the anointing of God was upon Jesus, and for 40 days and 40 nights, he could fast and pray. Now, medically, you can't go without food for 40 days like that, and without water. It takes anointing. All those complicated fastings of 100 days and 120 and 40 days, they, are, they must be Holy Spirit directed and Holy Spirit led then the strength of God will come to you. Amen. This morning, I want to share with you on the impartation. How do we receive the anointing? We know that the major source of the anointing is God himself. God is the major source of the anointing. But throughout the scriptures, we can also see a second significant source of the anointing. And that is through an anointed vessel. Amen. Hallelujah. Can the movements be controlled for me? The doors closed, please. They distract me. All right. Please turn your Bibles to Hosea 12, 13. Hosea 12, 13. It says, by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet, he was preserved. Amen. By a prophet... The Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet, he was preserved. That means that the anointed vessel, the prophet here, is an anointed vessel. The anointed vessel is very important to the execution of the plans of God. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27 that the yokes shall be destroyed by reason of the anointing. So we need anointing for many things. The anointing destroys yokes. It destroys satanic control. It destroys curses. The anointing opens doors. The anointing enables you to do the work of God. When it came to the work of God, Jesus said to the apostles, you will receive power, that is the anointing, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Last week I shared with you on the fact that the anointing is both, the, the, is both a noun and it's a verb. Amen. Last week I told you that the anointing is a noun and it's a verb. And so, and now is the name of a place or a thing. So, the anointing is the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, the anointing is also the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, when we are looking at the anointing, we're looking at these two. The anointing 
is the Holy Spirit and the anointing is also the power of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, where we read the last time, the Bible says that how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? So Jesus was not anointed with oil, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. If I smear oil on you, you would have been described as being anointed with oil. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit was a substance that was used to anoint Jesus. And at the same time, he is the source of the power. And so when we know what the advantage of the anointing is, and every believer must desire the anointing. And there are different aspects of the anointing. If we talk about the fivefold ministry, the ministry or the anointing of the prophet is different from the anointing of the pastor. The anointing of the apostle is different from the anointing of the evangelist. That means these are different levels of anointings. And the Bible also tells us that we can be anointed to walk in such wisdom that it, it, it marvels people. Solomon was anointed with wisdom. And so you need the anointing of God to function effectively in every aspect of your lives. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us that it took the anointing of the prophet to bring Israel out of Egypt. Moses on his own ordinarily could not have brought Israel out of Egypt. The powers of darkness in Egypt were very strong. There were at least 10 major powers of darkness. And they were the reason for all the plagues that happened. It was a judgment against the gods of Egypt. So each of the plagues that happened from the turning from the swallowing of the snakes in Pharaoh's palace was the beginning of the judgment of the gods of Egypt. Because behind the throne of the Pharaoh was the totem of the snake. So God was not just, didn't know what to do and just told Moses and Aaron to throw their rod down. And then the magicians also threw their rod down. It was the beginning of the battle against the god of the throne. So if you look at every throne of the Pharaoh, you will see the totem of the snake. And God brought judgment upon the snake, upon the spirit that was controlling the throne. And from there, judgment upon the Nile, because the Nile was worshipped, it was turned into blood. From there, there was judgment of, of, of locusts and frogs and all those things. These are things the Egyptians worshipped. The Egyptians worshipped the sun god, Ra. And God brought judgment. For three days there was darkness. It was a judgment against the God. It took the anointing of the prophet to bring ten levels of judgment against the gods of, of Egypt. Before Israel could come out. And the Bible says that it took the anointing of the prophet for Israel to be established in the land. Hallelujah. Now I want you to understand that anointing. can be found, apart from God, the anointing can be found in a person. Amen. The anointed person carries an anointing. And that anointing is necessary for the people that the anointed one has been called for. Every time God calls a genuine servant of God, he didn't call him for himself, he called him for the people. And it is very important that the church gets instructed to know how to handle an anointed vessel because the anointing upon the servant of God can be imparted. It can be received. It can bless, but you must know how to handle it. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. And you see that some years, many, many years ago or centuries ago, people realized that some people got better when they are not well, when they eat citrus fruits like oranges, etc., after some time, with the advancement of technology and science, they tried to find out what is was in the orange that made people better, that improved the lives of people. Then they discovered that it was vitamin C, or vitamin C, depending on where you come from. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so they were able now to extract it from the citrus fruit, and be able to dispense it on its own without letting you eat any orange. So you can have the vitamin C or vitamin C on its own. In the same way, so many things have been extracted. But when it comes to the anointing, it has also been found from the scriptures that it resides in a man or a woman. But unfortunately, in this case, you cannot extricate or remove the anointing from the anointed. Are you here? So you don't say, I don't like the orange, so I will only take 
the vitamin C from the shop on his own. Say, I don't like this preacher, but I want the anointing on his life. You can't. You have to marry the two. Because despite everything, God may choose an idiot to you and still put the anointing on him. And you will need him for the anointing. Because anointing on him is what you need to bless you. There are many things you need in your life has been positioned in a man of God or a woman of God. And how you handle that servant is how the anointing will bless you. Are you here today? Earlier in the week, I was sharing with the pastors on how not to make assumptions. Now, one of the reasons why many churches or many people in churches don't know many things is that it's easy for pastor to assume that. But we taught this 10 years ago, so let me leave it. And a new generation will come and they never know that. So we don't assume, we teach. Glory be to Jesus. So the anointing resides, you must locate the anointing. We know it is with God. But we have found out from the scriptures that he has always imparted it on a vessel. And you need to know how to handle it. That is why I read that scripture to you, Hosea 12, 13. It was by a prophet that Israel was brought out of Egypt. And by a prophet, Israel was preserved. In other words, it is by an anointed vessel of God that Israel came out of Egypt. And by an anointed vessel, they will be established. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles, when Israel was faced with a battle, Judah, the Bible says the word of the Lord came and said that you don't need to be afraid of this battle, for the battle is the Lord's. And then it goes on to say that believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophet, and you shall prosper. Are you here? So when we are looking for the anointing, sometimes we need to locate the anointed one that the Lord has positioned in our lives. In Jesus' name. And they may be weak. They may be some way. But God's decisions are not man's conclusions. God knew that the man he called and was speaking to at the burning bush was an ex-murderer. But God has chosen to put his oil on him. Israel, you cooperate with him or otherwise you stay in captivity. Amen. Sometimes the vessels that carry precious things, they may not be as expensive as the precious thing. But we handle them carefully. Glory be to Jesus. And so we can see that anointing can be imparted. But shortly, I want you to see where the anointing is located upon the servant of God. In Jesus' name. I want you to first of all understand, number one, that anointing is found in the anointed man. And when I'm using the word man, I'm using it in the general context of the way God speaks when he says man. And that means it means both of them, male and female, created he them. Hallelujah. So the gender activist will not disturb me. So the anointing is number one, found in the anointed man. The anointed man. Whenever God places you under a ministry, there is something upon that servant in the house that will actually be the key to your breakthrough. That's how God works. And that principle runs through the scriptures in Jesus' name. That's why you don't let Satan tempt you to be so offended by the vessel as related to the anointing on the vessel. In 1 John chapter 2 and the verse 27, it says, But the anointing which you have received from him, God, abides where? Abides where? It abides in you. So the anointing abides or stays in the vessel. The anointing stays in the man of God. It stays in the woman of God. That's where it resides. That particular anointing. And it says, and you don't need that anyone teach you. Now that's where some people have gotten it wrong. It means, ah, you see this scripture means that all of us, we are filled with the anointing and we don't need a teacher. No, this is in relation, anytime we teach you the word of God, we say for you to understand a particular text, you must read the pretexts, the text, and the protext. Then you get the context. Are you here? I said you read the pretext, then you look at the protext, then you look at the text, then you will get the context. So when we look at the pretext of this in the verse 26, it teaches us that some people are spreading false doctrines around. That is why he said that you have received an anointing of the Holy One. And when that anointing is at work, you don't need those liars to teach you what the truth is. When somebody says something, the anointing of the Holy Ghost in you will be able to tell this is a false doctrine. It looks like it, but it's not it. 
So before somebody runs off the jump tangent with the verse 27, you need to look at the text, the pretext in the verse 26. Hallelujah. Mona Lisa, did you show them 26? Great, great. Clap for Mona Lisa. So the anointing is found in the vessel. It's found in the vessel. And that's why things in that person must be carefully handled. The Bible teaches us in 2 Kings chapter 13 and the verse number 20 and 21 that the Bible says that great servant of God, the anointed of God, the man carrying a double portion of Elijah's anointing, he died. Finally, Elisha died. And the Bible says that as they were burying a man, verse 20 to 21, then Elisha died and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. And so it was that as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied and saw a band of raiders. So they went to the cemetery to bury someone. They buried people in tombs in those days. And, and the Bible says that when these people went to bury someone, they saw some raiders. So they panicked. After all, the living is better than the dead. So they threw the dead body and ran off. And that dead body fell into Elisha's tomb. And the man that was let down, his body, this dead body, touched the bones of Elisha and he revived and stood on his feet. Good news from the graveyard. The man they threw, they thought they are buried, suddenly started walking back home. <laughs> and he's coming home. They were ready for, for party. Post-burial ceremonies, like the way Africans like. They are sitting down, they are about to eat. Then they saw the man. <laughs> they were not sure whether to laugh or, or cry. <laughs> but what is important here was my question, what was the anointing doing in the bones of Elijah? He's so anointed. Remember, we just learned, the anointing is in the vessel. And when it is in the vessel, it occupies every organ, nerve, and tissue of the person. The anointing is a very mysterious thing. May you receive the anointing of the Lord. I mean, a few days ago on Thursday, I went for my COVID jab. And everybody, my booster. So that's the third one. Everybody I knew said, this one is worse. It's painful. It's, it will make you sick. And especially when it's another one from what you took. Especially all those that took AstraZeneca, you're not getting AstraZeneca again. You're getting Moderna or Pfizer. And so, there was, all, I mean, I had a lot of people call me and say, this thing is, this time, in fact, the first one is better, but this time is worse. And I went for the thing on Thursday. I'm still standing here. I don't feel anything. But there's still, still wishes that something else. I mean, I've gone for this thing three times. I, it feels, I keep on asking, did they inject me with water or what? Was it really a needle that went, I've been touching the place, I don't feel anything. But I feel it is the anointing. Are you here? Glory be to Jesus. It's the anointing. The anointing was resident even in Elisha's bones. For Elijah, he had an Elisha to pass it on to. But with Elisha, there was a, an unfaithful servant around him. Gehazi was not being faithful around the man of God. He missed the anointing. He got the curse of an important leprosy. And Elisha carried the thing on him, even to his grave. And the anointing was still resident in the dead bones of a man. That when somebody else was thrown into the grave and it touched his body, the man came back to life. The anointing resides in the anointed person's body. Are you here today? I'm not calling for fetishism and worship of the servant of God. But I'm teaching you that there's a principle of tapping the anointing. The anointing is transferable. It moves from one point to the other. But you must locate your anointed one and position yourself to receive it. Years ago, we learned a principle concerning the transfer of anointing. We call it the principle of strategic positioning strategically position yourself around the servant of God. Don't miss him. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. If the thing can reside in the bones, the thing can reside anywhere around him. 
Glory be to Jesus. The second place on the servant of God where we find anointing, we said the first one is inside him. The second one is that the anointing is found with the anointed man. The first one, it is found in the anointed man. The second one, it is found with the anointed one. The anointing is with the anointed one. It is with him. And you know they are, it sounds the same, but it's not the same, isn't it? When something is in and something is with, they are two different things. <laughs> I mean, if Pastor Hammond is in me, you can't see him. Only me can see him, isn't it? But is he, if he's with me, you will see him coming alongside you, isn't it? Yeah. So if someone is, something is with you, you should be able to see the thing around you. It should be around you. It should be around you, isn't it? It should be around you. The anointing is found with the anointed man. John chapter 14, and the verse number 16 to 17. I'll be moving a little bit faster because I want us to spend some time to pray. In Jesus' name. John 14, 16 to 17. And Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, or another helper, another one that is exactly like me. Amen. Alos, A-double-L-L-O-S, that is another there. And that means another one of the same kind, the same type, the same form. I will give you another one like me. He will abide with you. Have you seen it? He will do what? He will abide with you. This anointed one that is coming, this anointing, this Holy Spirit, he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him, for he dwells with you. Is that in your Bible? He dwells with you. I've told you earlier on the anointing and the Holy Spirit are synonymous, isn't it? So he dwells with you. The anointing is also with you. That means when something is with you, the thing affects everything around you. Your surroundings, the environment around you. That was why the Bible said that when King Saul sent messengers to go and arrest David, who had sought refuge in the meeting place where Samuel the prophet was leading a band of prophets in a prayer meeting. And David ran to the place to seek refuge. The Bible says King Saul sent the generals of Israel to go and arrest David. When they got there within a particular radius, the anointing hit them. They all fell down and they started prophesying. And the guys were not coming back, so he sent another battalion. They went, they also fell down. He decided these guys don't respect. I am the king, I'm going myself. The Bible says when he got within a particular radius, he fell down and started prophesying. He prophesied naked. He lay down naked till daybreak. Sometimes in the presence of the anointing, so many things can happen. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. It, that means that it can affect the clothing of the man of God. It can affect his beddings. It can affect certain things around him that he uses very often. The anointing can affect so many things. Like we saw in the case of Elisha, it was the bones. But it means that even in the bedroom of the person, the bed the person lies on, so many things, the anointing can affect all those places. Glory be to Jesus. And when we read the Bible, you will see that explains why that woman had great faith and spiritual understanding. That she didn't think that I, didn't, I don't need a man to come here if I touch the hem of his garment. If I touch that garment, I know something is resident because the anointing is with you. The anointing is around you. The anointing is around the anointed man. Hallelujah. The anointing is around the anointed man. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 43 to 46, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, for 12 years she's been bleeding, and she has spent all her livelihood on physicians, Sometimes these bleedings, doctors can't handle it. They don't know what they are dealing with. They try this and try that, and it's still going on. And the Bible says for, for many years she has spent all her money on physicians and could not be healed by any. She came from behind and touched the border of his garments. Hallelujah. And immediately, somebody say immediately. Her flow of blood stopped immediately. And 
How did that happen? Look at 45. Then Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? Listen, the woman did not touch Jesus' skin. She touched his clothing. That's all. From behind, there are so many people around. There are so many people that can hang around the man of God and they lack revelation to know how to tap the thing, to know how to pull it. And the Bible says she just touched the hem of the garment. She touched it and an anointing of healing flowed. Hallelujah. What happened here, remember, doctors have not been able to handle it. I told you the anointing is that which is the power of God that enables you to accomplish what only God can do. This one is only God who can do it. Twelve years of bleeding, all the physicians can't find a way around it. One second of a touch. Then Jesus explained something. He said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes are pressing on you. And you are saying, who touched me? But Jesus says, somebody touched me, for I perceive power, anointing, going out from me. Have you seen it? The anointing, going out from me. The anointing of healing just went out of me. It just went out of my clothing. The anointing is with the servant. It went out, it moves. The anointing that heals, that was resident in him, was also around him, including his garment. Praise God. And that explains why someone like Paul, the Bible says when the crowd was so many and he had only two hands, something began to happen. In Acts chapter 19 and the verse 11 to 12, the Bible says now God worked unusual miracles. Acts 19, 11 to 12, God worked unusual miracles. It will take unusual miracles. And one of these is like that. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body. Have you seen it? It means that they had all these handkerchiefs and aprons. We don't have that much here in the UK because we don't sweat so much here. But in, in Ghana, we got the face towels, quite a lot of them much customized. So the Christ Church International. This other church I go to, and they, they, they also have this. Even you come, they pack it. Because every minute you are sweating, and they come and change it. <laughs> but I noticed that the ushers, they are smart there. Some of them are very, very discerning. When they come and change it, I realize they don't put it back in Sephora. Somebody put it in the bottom. I see somebody take it and put it on their heads. I said, this one is tapping something. Others will come and take it and just move away. Now, it says, for handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. They just come and touch his body with it. They take it to their homes, to the next village, and when they lay it on a sick person, the anointing that touched the anointed vessel, you see, it, it was around him. Are you here this morning? In the name of Jesus. So we see miracles of anointing for ministry. Years ago, I read about Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth went to a family that were having challenges. I think it was challenged with childbirth or something like that. And he lay on the bed where they hosted him for three days. And when he left, the woman... And the husband said, man of God, you haven't prayed for us. He said, that bed there, don't wash anything, lie on it like that. And the next time they called him, there is a miracle. And then I noticed that I have also experienced a similar thing. One of my daughters in the Lord, members of this church, in another location. They wanted a child, they wanted a particular gender. So they, I was hosted in the place and they put me inside that particular room that they got for me in their house. And I stayed there for four days. I prayed on that bed. They had me midnight praying and all of that. And somewhere in the conversation, as sometimes in the evening I may be chatting with them, they will ask a lot of questions and I will be answering them. I think I cited this example to them. So when I left, they also didn't wash the bedding. They went to stay in that room. They performed signs and wonders on that bed. 
and then there was a miracle. They called me and said, Papa, it has worked. <laughs> I said, what has worked? He said, when you left, we, we went into the place. We, we stayed there. And my son also stayed on that bed and prayed, prayed for unction. I see him operating in the same levels these days. But I see the anointing is working. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Learn how to strategically position yourself with respect to the anointing. In Jesus' name. But I see that that miracle happened. They really had a boy. And God had done some strange things in there. I said, have you still watched it? <laughs> he said, we are keeping this for some time until you are coming. <laughs> I said, don't worship it. But of course, it is a strategic way of understanding ministry and understanding how to position yourself for the anointing. The next thing is that the anointing is also found upon the anointed man. So we are seeing that it is found in the servant of God. It is found with or around him and it is found upon him. Upon him. Glory be to Jesus. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The anointing is found upon the anointed man. It is found upon. Luke 4 18. Jesus spoke and said the spirit of the Lord is where? Is where? Is up on me. Upon. Up on me. Upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointing is upon him. The anointing is upon him. And all the things that will happen in verse 18 is as a result of the anointing. It takes the anointing to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed. It is anointing. And he said, it is upon me. Look at 2 Kings chapter 2 and the verse number 15. The prophets of Israel. I don't know why they didn't want to tap the anointing. They can see that God was about to take Elijah away. And they kept on telling Elijah in every city they went to that your master is going to be taken. But for Elijah, he has strategically positioned himself. He said, I want a double portion of the anointing on you, Papa. I want that one. I don't need the house. If I have the anointing, all things can work. <laughs> all things can work. I can get a house <laughs> if I have the anointing. And so, Elisha said to him, you have asked a very hard thing, but he didn't say you have asked an impossible thing. Amen. And then he says, when you see me go, it shall happen. And then the Bible says when it happened, very interestingly, when he was returning, Elisha was returning, after Elijah had been taken away, you remember that they had crossed the Jordan. And the way they crossed the Jordan was that Elijah took his mantle and he struck the waters of the Jordan and it parted ways. And they crossed. And when they crossed it to the other side, it was when they were on the other side that the horses and chariots of fire came and separated the two of them. And Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind and went up to heaven. Now for Elisha to return, the Jordan is back. Because when the Jordan parted, it didn't stay that way. It was just instantaneous. It opened, the two of them crossed it, and then it closed. So it's like the river Thames. And you are walking with me, and we didn't have money to cross, and I just took my coat, and I just struck the water. It opened, and we crossed. When we crossed, the water started flowing again. So now when you are left alone, and you are returning, the only thing you are left with is my jacket. Where is the anointing? It is upon the man. It is in the man. It is around the man. So the thing was somewhere also can be the clothing, isn't it? And the Bible says, Elisha then took the mantle that fell and he too repeated the thing. He hit the waters and it opened. He said, hey, the thing works. Man, <laughs> it works. And he crossed. But when he crossed, the prophets on the other side could see in the spirit and they made that confession. Now when the sons of the prophets the sons of the prophets is a coded name for all the prophets that Elisha raised and it became their names throughout. So when they say the sons of the prophets, it's talking about the prophets because they have a, a father. Amen. When they saw him, they said, the spirit or the anointing of Elijah rests on. It rests where? On. So the anointing can rest upon the anointing can be located upon the servant of God 
with the servant of God or in the servant of God. Are you here this morning? Glory be to Jesus. And that's why it's very important because when the anointing rested on him, the anointing really worked. The man specifically requested a double portion of the anointing. And it really worked. I want to run you through quickly the miracles or the operations of the anointing of Elijah and Elisha. And you will see it's exactly twice as recorded in the Bible. The miracles in the career of Elijah, we will not read, I'll tell you what is there, but I'll be listing them quickly in the next two minutes. Number one, Elijah caused the rain to cease after three and a half years. For three and a half years, the rain ceased. First Kings 17, 1. The rains ceased. Number two, first Kings 17, 4. He was fed by ravings. It was the miracle of ravings, feeding him cake. Morning and evening. Morning and evening. First Kings 17, 4. Number three, the miracle of the barrel of meal and cruise oil. First Kings 17, 14. First Kings 17, 14. The miracle of the barrel of meal and cruise of oil. That was when Elijah went to the house of that widow and he asked the widow to give him what she has. And she brought, said, this is our last meal. He said, give it to me first. And when he gave it to him, the Bible says the food was multiplied. And for all that period, for almost three years and a half, no food failed in that house and everybody else was hungry until the Lord sent rain. So we have done the third one, is it three? Number four, the resurrection of the widow's son, 1 Kings 17, 22. The resurrection of the widow's son. When he went to stay in this house where he multiplied the food, the widow said, I have only one son and this is our last meal and we will eat and die. But they didn't die. But when Elisha went to stay with them, after he had multiplied bread and they are enjoying this, something happened. The boy fell sick and he died. The anointed man was living with them. They have done him so much good. And yet, the, man, the woman's son died. And the woman went to Elisha and said, man of God, what have I done wrong? Why have you come here to recall my past sins? Of all the good things we have done for you, why did your God look upon for my son to die? And Elijah went to God and said, Father, why have you done this? They have received me. They have provided for me. Your anointing has worked here. Why have you killed his son? The woman's son. And the Bible says, Elijah stretched himself over the boy. And the boy came back to life. Hallelujah. He raised him from the dead. He raised him from the dead. That was a miracle. So that was the fourth one. The fifth one is the calling of fire from heaven onto the altar. 1 Kings 18, 38. 1 Kings 18, 38. Calling fire from heaven on the altar. Number six, causing it to rain. 1 Kings 18, 45. 1 Kings 18, 45. Causing it to rain. He brought back the rain after three and a half years. He prayed and miraculously there was a rain. Number seven, the prophecy that Ahab's sons will all be destroyed. 1 Kings 21, 22. 1 Kings 21, 22. He gave a prophecy that Ahab's sons will be destroyed and it came to pass. Number eight, he prophesied that Jezebel will be eaten up by dogs. 1 Kings 21, 23. 1 Kings 21, 23. 1 Kings 21, 23. Remember, these are not local numbers. These are scriptures. Where are we? Number eight. Have we done eight? Number nine. He prophesied that Ahaziah would die of his illness. Second Kings 1.4. That Ahaziah would die of his illness. Second Kings 1.4. Number 10. He called fire from heaven upon the first 50 soldiers that were sent to arrest him. Calling fire from heaven upon the first 50 soldiers that were sent to arrest him. Second Kings chapter 1 and the verse number 10. Number 11. He called fire from heaven upon the second set of 50 soldiers that were sent to arrest him. 2 Kings chapter 1 and the verse number 12. The 12th miracle was the parting of the Jordan. 
he struck the Jordan with his mantle and the Jordan opened. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 8. Number 13. The prophecy that Elisha will have the double portion of his spirit. Second Kings chapter 2 and the verse number 10. That also came to pass. And then the final one, number 14, he was caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. 14 recorded miracles that characterize Elijah's ministry. Now let's look at Elisha, who asked for the double portion of the anointing. The prophets themselves have testified that the spirit or the anointing that was upon Elijah had come upon Elisha. I just told you that the anointing is in a man. Is in the vessel of God and it is transferable. Elisha, among all the sons of the prophets, positioned himself strategically to tap it. Now look at him. His first miracle was that he parted the Jordan. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 14. He parted the Jordan with, his, with the mantle of Elijah, of Elijah. Number two, he healed the waters of Jericho. Jericho had been under a curse ever since Joshua pronounced the curse. When Jericho was defeated, in chapter 6 of the book of Joshua. And Joshua stood as a man of God and pronounced a curse on Jericho and said, anybody who tries to rebuild Jericho, his firstborn will, will die when they lay the foundation. And if he stubbornly persists, by the time they finish and they build the city gate, his lastborn will also die. And in the days of King Ahab, a man called Heel, in 2 Kings chapter 16, decided to rebuild Jericho. And when he laid the foundation, his firstborn died. And by the time he was laying the gates of the city, his lastborn, Sego, also died. So by the time Elisha got to Jericho to work this miracle of healing the land, it has been about 600 years ever since Joshua pronounced that curse on the land. And the man of God came and he healed the waters. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 21. Healing of the waters of Jericho. Number three, he pronounced a curse on those 42 children and she bears came out of the woods and tore 42 children alive because the children mocked at him. He was a very temperamental prophet. The anointing on him does certain strange things, but this one, little children came to laugh at him and say, bald-headed man, you bald-headed man. If, if people start telling you, start insulting you with your baldness, the man can pronounce a curse. It wasn't only the baldness, they were also making mockery of him that if he's anointed, he too should go up. You see their statement, said, go up, you bald-headed man. And it has meaning, you can read all the meanings of the insult in it because Elijah was very, very hairy. When they sent to look for him and finally made himself available after three and a half years, when Joel or Obediah was sent to go and get him and he found him, he said, go and tell the king, I'm ready to see him. They said, you are lying. We have looked everywhere. We can't see him. How does he look like? He said, a very, very hairy man. So Elijah was very, very hairy. But his spiritual son was very, very bald. <laughs> so they are telling him, if your master has gone up, it takes some people with hair to go up. You to go up. Elijah read meanings into the mockery of the children. And he pronounced a curse on them. Two she-bears appeared from nowhere and tore 42 of the children to pieces. Just killed them. May we be careful with the anointing and the anointed in the name of Jesus. Sometimes the anointed man of God may not want to curse, but he may say something because he doesn't understand the covenant of the call of his life. It's another subject. If I go into that, it will take us a long time. But everyone who is genuinely called by God, they are setting covenants of the calling. And sometimes God may move out of jealousy to fight against those who fight you. And sometimes you yourself may not understand what is on you until some reactions begin to take place in the lives of some people who have fought you. And then it's not that you have actually cursed them, but the God who called you has decided to fight against them. And that's what was happening to Elijah and Elisha here. Number four, the filling of the valley with water. He spoke in a valley without water. Suddenly waters filled the whole place. To keep the enemy on the other side until Israel was organized. Second Kings chapter 3 and the verse number 17. The fifth miracle was the deception of the Moabites with the valley of blood. The waters that came. He prayed in such a way that the enemy on the other side was seeing it like blood. So they decided to say, the Israelites have killed themselves, let's all relax. And then judgment rather came on them. They didn't organize themselves. <laughs> 
deception of the Moabites with the valley of blood. Second Kings chapter 3, verse 22. I know some of you are trying to keep up, but you, you'll be able to watch it later on and, and get your notes. <laughs> then, number six, the miracle of the vessel of oil. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 14. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 4. The miracle of the vessel of oil. Because a woman whose husband was a prophet had died. The, the, the prophet had died. The woman, the prophet was in debt. And they are coming to sell their children to pay the debt. And she came to the prophet. And Elijah said, what do you have in the house? He said, I have some barrels. He said, surround yourself with many of the barrels. Take a lot. And then he prayed. And suddenly they were all filled with oil. He said, sell it now and pay the debt. What an anointing. May God give us anointing that brings water out of a rock. In the name of Jesus. That sorts the issues in the lives of the people in the ministry. In Jesus' name. So the miracle of the vessels of oil, 2 Kings 4.4. Number 7, the prophecy that the Shunammite woman will have a son. 2 Kings 4.16. There was this woman who knows how to handle an anointing. He said, come and live in my house. They always see him passing by. He said, we have a place for you. Won't you come and lodge here? And when he lodged there, he prophesied it. The honor of the Lord for the woman. I know you have been barren for many years. But next year, by this time, you embrace a son. So he prophesied and it came to pass. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 16. Number 8. The resurrection of the Shunammite son. 2 Kings 4.34. When that boy was born, later on, that boy died. And the woman ran to Elisha. And Elisha sent Gehazi with the rod to come and lay on the boy. But Gehazi was a crooked servant around the man of God. That's why I tell you, it is not the rod. It is the holder of the rod. Gehazi took Elisha's rod. He went to the house, put it on the boy. The boy didn't come to life. It took a long time for the man of God to himself physically come. And he took the same rod. He placed it on the boy and the boy came back to life. It is the holder of the rod. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. So, the resurrection of the Shunammite son. Do you see similarities? Elijah was hosted by a woman. Elisha was hosted by a woman. That woman, the first one, Elijah was hosted by her, the son. The son died. This one too, a miracle baby was born. The boy grew. That boy died. Both men of God raised their, their host children back to life. The anointing is working. I said the anointing is working. Glory be to Jesus. So number eight is the resurrection of the Shunammite son. 2 Kings 4.34. 2 Kings 4.34. Number nine. The healing of the gods. G-O-U-R-D-S. A god. It's, it's a plant. You know, sometimes you can actually, that's out of it you have calabashes and things like that. Healing of those ones. Elisha prayed and they were healed. The people could now be blessed. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 41. Number 10. The miracle of the multiplication of bread. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 43. The miracle of the multiplication of bread. Hallelujah. Elijah went to the house of the woman, the Shunammite, of the woman that hosted him. And the Bible says that she had only a small food. Elijah prayed. The thing multiplied. Elijah too is multiplying bread here. The thing is working. The anointing is passed on. Number 11. Healing of Naaman, the Syrian army general. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 14. Number 12. Perception of Gehazi's transgression. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 26. He could descend. Gehazi left the house. He went to collect some bribe. And he lied in the name of his spiritual father. And he thought no one would know. When he came home, Elisha asked him, Gehazi, where have you been? He said, oh, I haven't been anywhere. I'm sure if it's our day, he said, oh, Master, the prayer topics you gave me to deal with the principalities of Erith, I've been dealing with this since morning. Then Elisha said, didn't my spirit leave this house with you and followed you all the way to Woolwich when you went to stop that man and told him that I've sent you to come and collect these things. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing works like that. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. My sons are witnesses to this. Others I called, I said, where are you? <laughs> They, they think twice before they answer because I know where they are. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> so, that's number 12. Number 13. Did I give you the scripture for 12? 2 Kings 5, 26. Okay, number 13. Gehazi was cursed with leprosy. 
2 Kings 5.27. Elisha cursed him with leprosy for lying to him. As for Elisha. <laughs> the man, he can pronounce curses. Number 14. The floating of the axe head. His, his servants went to borrow somebody's axe head. And they were working with it to construct a building. And the thing fell into the water. And they said, Master, it was borrowed. <laughs> this heavy metal has fallen into a river. And it's gone deep into it. Elisha stood there. And he said, take a twig of a tree. And he prayed over it and said, throw it into the water. When he threw it in. The axe head, this metal that was at the bottom of the river, swam up. Physics was disturbed. The laws of physics have to be set aside. The anointing is working. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Number 14. Did I give you 2 Kings 6, 6, number 12? That is 14. is the floating of the axe head. 2 Kings 6, 6. Number 15. Prophecy of the Syrian battle plans. 2 Kings 6, 9. Elisha could sit in Samaria and he can hear what the king of Syria is planning in his bedroom. And he will tell the king of Israel, don't, don't worry, you don't need the intelligence service, I'm here. Whatever they are planning there, I hear it and I'll tell you. What an anointing. What an anointing. That's the number 15, 2 Kings 6, 9. Number 16, vision of the chariots that was around him. 2 Kings 6, 17. Number 17, smiting the Syrian army with blindness. 2 Kings 6, 18. Number 18, restoring the sight of the Syrian army. 2 Kings 6, 20. Number 19, prophecy of the end of the great famine, 2 Kings 7, 1. Number 20, prophecy that a scoffing nobleman will see the breakthrough, but he will not partake of it, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 2. Number 21, deception of the Syrians with the sound of chariots, 2 Kings 7, 6. Number 22, prophecy of the seven-year famine, 2 Kings 8, 1. Number 23, prophecy of Ben-Hadad's untimely death, 2 Kings 8, 10. Number 24, prophecy of Hazel's cruelty to Israel, 2 Kings 8, 12. Number 25, prophecy that Jehu will smite the house of Ahab, 2 Kings 9, 7. Number 26, tw prophecy that Joash will smite the Syrians at Ephek, 2 Kings 13, 17. Number 27, prophecy that Joash will smite the Syrians three times, but not consume it, 2 Kings 13, 19. And number 28, resurrection of the man who touched his dead bones, 2 Kings 13, 21. 28 recorded miracles. We saw the one of Elijah, 40 times 2, carrying double portion of the anointing. Hallelujah. The anointing is upon the servant of God. It is in the servant of God. It is with the servant of God. And I came to announce to you, it is transferable. It can be imparted. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. And so we could see from the scriptures that John and Peter in the New Testament they could transfer the anointing upon the people in Samaria who had believed. In Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 20, the Bible says that these men, they came down to Samaria and they laid their hands on the people and the Holy Spirit was transferred upon the people and the people received the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues and they encountered God. It is amazing that God can be transferred. Isn't it strange? That God can be located in a person and still God can be transferred. May God help us today to realize the anointing is the power of God, is the spirit of God, and it is transferable in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It means we can position ourselves that the anointing can be a blessing to us. The power of the anointing can minister to us when we know where the anointing is. In Jesus' name. Secondly, we see Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 10 and 11. Paul said that he desired to visit that church so that he will impart unto them some spiritual gift. He will impart. The word to impart, I-M-P-A-R-T, not C-T. R-T means to transfer. Paul said, I desire to come to you that I will impart unto you some spiritual gift. The anointing is he's able to pass it on. May God help us this morning. That there will be some transfer of anointings. The woman touched Jesus' hem of, of his garment. Jesus said, somebody has touched me. Power is leaving me. I could feel some power. The anointing has gone out of me. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. He said, when the presbytery gathered, when the elders gathered, 
and they laid their hands on you, an anointing came to you. 1 Timothy 4.14. Let's look at that quickly. I just have two scriptures to share and then we are going to pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this atmosphere. I feel God is in this place this morning in Jesus' name. May your faith rise in the mighty name of Jesus. May your faith rise in Jesus' name. 1 Timothy 4.14, it says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy that was spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. When the elders laid their hands on you, a spiritual gift was transferred to you. He received it. He received what it took to do the work of ministry. Timothy was one of the youngest bishops recorded in scripture. He was the bishop over Ephesus. Ephesus was the spiritual center of occultism. It was the headquarters of occultism in the world. The, the, the goddess Diana is worshipped in the place. Her headquarters and her temple was in the place. And no wonder later on, church history records, Timothy died by being stoned by a procession of idol worshippers. Ultimately, that's how he died. That's how he was martyred. But that was a very strong place. That's why Paul wrote to him and said, be strong and don't let anyone look down on your youth. But the anointing that came on him was because it was transferred. The anointing was transferred. The anointing to pastor the church. The anointing to overcome in that place. Ephesus was strong. That's why the book of Ephesians carries a lot of spiritual information. If we learn about spiritual warfare, they were the ones that were taught about that because the powers of darkness in that place was so small. And this young man was the bishop of the place, overseeing the multiple churches that were being planted there. You need an anointing. And an anointing was transferred to him when hands were laid. Remember, that is why when hands are laid, something moves. Because the anointing is with the man, upon the man, around him. Glory be to Jesus. And look at the, the, the last scripture I want us to look at. Then he told Timothy also to stir up, fan into flames, the gift that came to you when I laid my hands on you. So when hands are laid, there is also an impartation. Hallelujah. Look at it. Second Timothy chapter 1. Verse 6 to 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. It says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames or to stir it up. The gift of God, this gift of God, this power of God, this anointing of God, which is in you. Have you seen where anointing is located? It's in you, Timothy. When I put my hands on you, something moved from me. It's resident inside you. Stir it up. Stir it up by prayer. Glory be to Jesus. That's why when we lay hands, we speak. When we speak, the word and the anointing, when they clash, there will have to be a miracle. In the name of Jesus. Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. When Paul laid his hands, a spiritual anointing was transferred. In Jesus' name. And when that happened, the result of this particular one, that's what we are going to pray on, that's our first prayer topic of this anointing, is that when I laid hands on you, and this anointing came to you, the spirit of God, the power of God, the anointing came to you. Verse 7, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, what was put into use, St. Timothy is the spirit of boldness, not the spirit of fear. So when he lays hands on him, the anointing that came to him was not an anointing of fear. So he's announcing to him, what you receive is an anointing to be afraid of anything. The spirit of fear, but of power. You have received the spirit of power, you have received the anointing of love, and you have received the anointing of a sound mind. Hallelujah. The benefit of this anointing is that threefold things are released here. There is the power of love. Amen. The, the spirit of, of love or the anointing of, of love, the anointing of power and the anointing of a sound mind. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The spirit of a sound mind. Sometimes some people's minds are troubled by many things. 
They don't have peace. To, today, in Jesus' name, may the anointing of the Holy Ghost break their yoke in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's why sometimes some people have got so much money, yet they don't have peace. And yet someone who is anointed, he, he doesn't have the money, but he doesn't look sick. He looks all right. He's calm. He's, he's fine. Because the sound mind is there. It's anointed. Hallelujah. Of power and of love and of a sound mind. May you receive the anointing to love your family again. To love your children. To love your spouse. To love things of God in Jesus' name. The power of love and the power of a sound mind. Because when you lose your mind, you have lost everything. May you have your sound mind in Jesus' name.